Hi, I'm a Wilkes. I'm a Nelson. I'm a Grop. And I'm a Spute. And we call ourselves the Wings. It's an acronym. We are just four ordinary moms with extraordinary bonds. The Lord gathers us all under His wings as a hen gathers her chicks, and we hope to offer a place to gather for our friends, family, and all who wish to join us. So welcome to our podcast conversation under His wings. Hi, you guys. Welcome back. We're excited to be together and to have you join our conversation today as we um, share our feelings about the Savior and how we're getting to come closer to Him. Um, This past week, a couple of experiences caused me to reflect on how much inner unrest was all around me, Um, was spilling into all areas of people's lives. These experiences were actually things that friends um, and family members had been sharing with me about some inner battles with relationships or, you know, with even just themselves. Um, and you know, actually also about the world and in its all its turmoil, um, there, there's, you know, a lot going on and I don't know, their thoughts correlated to some of my own feelings about I too, what I was also going through, um, in a recent conference talk by sister Eubank, um, she talked about unity and I know that this might not seem like it would really fit with inner battles or unrest, but it, it really sparked a pattern, a thought pattern within me. Um, she was quoting from President or the Prophet Joseph Smith, and this was like back in a meeting in 1842, where he'd come to prepare the saints for um, a sacred unifying covenant that they would be making in the temple. Um, President Smith said, "We must be merciful and overlook small things." I love that statement too. Um, that really caught my attention. Yeah. You know, um, he said, we do need to be merciful in our actions towards others and learn, learn to overlook the small things. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard to do. It is hard. Um, he also went on to say, it grieves me that there is no fuller fellowship. If one member suffer, I'll feel it. By union of feeling, we obtain power with God. And Sister Eubanks said that small sentence struck her like lightning. By union of feeling, we obtain power with God. So what do you guys think um, the prophet meant when he said that? By union of feeling, we obtain power with God. You know, I believe that one of the key words here is with God, not Mm. from God. You know, I believe that we have to be one with God to obtain that power, one in purpose, one in feeling. It reminds me of the Lord's intercessory prayer. He prayed for his disciples and for those who believe in Christ. And, you know, he asked for unity. He prayed that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. So if oneness is what Christ prayed for, you know, prior to his betrayal and crucifixion, it must be pretty important, right? I believe that union of feeling, Connie, is achieving that oneness. This is something that we can try to achieve within a marriage relationship, a family, a ward, you know, wherever. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, in the scriptures we read, if ye are not one, ye are not mine. Uh, Oh, I like that distinction. From God or with God. 
that is important because with God it implies a team effort um, and to be one with someone you're in unity yeah I also keyed in on that word um, feel, unity of feeling I I really wish we all had the same feelings but alas life isn't that way <laughs> most times it just isn't happening in the way we want with those around us we may be trying to be with God but others might not right right and I really like when President Smith said that if one member suffer, all feel it, or at least they're supposed to, right? <laughs> it makes me think of the scripture um, in the Bible where Christ tells us that we are all part of the body of Christ. It's somewhere in Corinthians, and we'll, uh, we'll attach that attach to it. the yeah. <laughs> show notes. Um, but if, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, if our foot hurts, then our brain feels it, our stomach feels it. We have this whole malaise in our entire body. And I think that's what Christ or how Christ wants us to function as brothers and sisters. And right now, you know, I have two daughters that are having some pretty severe health issues and they aren't mine, but I sure feel them Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I want to make them better. And I'm doing all I can, spending my energy and time on them and praying and wishing I could take that pain away, you know, and that's what I was thinking that that is sort of a unity of feeling trying to empathize and doing whatever we can to help someone. And I think that's what the Lord wants us to do with all of our brothers and sisters. No matter how different they are, no matter their station or standing or what we deem as worthiness, no matter if we feel they brought their problems on themselves, um, does that really matter to the Lord? He knew what the adulterous woman did, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yet Christ treated her as a sister, and he was her protector. This world is full of sin and suffering and wickedness and, need I say, division? (laughs) Nope, right now. So maybe we need to ask ourselves the questions that Sister Eubanks asked. She said, quote, How can I understand people around me better? How will I create that union of feeling when we are all so different? And what power from God might I access if I am just a little bit more unified with others, end quote. Now, these are great questions. So I want to know what some of your thoughts are on those questions. You know, my first thought, Jerry, is that if we want to understand people better, we need to first seek to understand, mm-hmm. not to be understood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a And we seem to do it the other way around. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, we've got to learn to really listen rather than push our own point of view and really try to understand why others feel the way they do. Mm -hmm. It seems so often we as humans want to push and argue our own opinions instead of seeking to understand why others feel differently than we do. Right. I mean, you know, we've all been in that situation, whether it's with a spouse or somebody that we have a difference of opinion. And when they're speaking, you're formulating your own response, right? To convince. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of got to get beyond that. (laughs) Repentance. Yes. (laughs) You know, because once we gain that understanding, it's important to look for the areas in which we do agree. Yeah. Beliefs that we have in common, you know, and then we can build on those. That's where the union of feeling can come in. And that can be applied in units as small as a family or in groups as large as a country. 
And like you mentioned, Jerry, we've seen a lot of division in this country, more than I think I have ever seen in my lifetime. Yeah, for sure. And unfortunately, I see that seeping down into communities and churches and even families as I've watched people argue over politics, racial diversity, vaccinations, and even masks this year. (laughs) It's heartbreaking to me to see good people attack one another online and in social media platforms over these issues. Let's take, for example, politics and the division we see there. I think if we can just all focus on our love of country and our desire to see this country succeed, then we can find some common ground as we continue to keep the lines of communication open, you know, and try to find solutions together. A couple weeks ago, I had a young friend the other day who likes to post a lot of political stuff. He said, you know, if you don't like my opinions or what I post, then unfollow me. I decided to reach out to him that day um, and say, hey, you know, just because we have different opinions on some of our current issues, I still value you and your opinions. Because I feel like if we shut other opinions out, if we um, unfriend or unfollow people because they see things differently than we do, that's going to be harmful. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me like that only leads to further polarization and division, right? I feel like if we'll just treat each other with a little more respect and kindness, especially those that have a different opinion than ours, I think then we'll be able to foster peace and and foster open communication, which in, seems to me that's where the solutions to our problems lie. Oh, that's so good, Sherry. I love that. I know. I know we had an interesting well, okay, a heated family Zoom come follow me lesson that took a turn into politics. And it was really causing some uncomfortable feelings. And well, I could feel the tension and the spirit was leaving our meeting. Um, our oldest daughter handled it pretty well. She she has a knack for staying calm and validating what a person has said, even when she doesn't necessarily agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, she has had some situations where she does know that she gets triggered. So she doesn't necessarily, you know, totally abandon the friendship or anything. She just knows, okay, I respect that. I know where they stand on it. And then she, she appreciates that, but she, she has known her limits and her boundaries too. Um, she, um, is a victim's advocate. So she deals with a lot of unrest and she knows how to diffuse tumultuous confrontations. And she does this by active listening she stays calm, her voice stays level, and she responds to comments with, well, I hear you saying that, and then she'll repeat what that person has um, said. And she says, you know, um, that's the way you can make sure you're heard, they're heard, and you validate and try to bring, you know, at least calmness to a situation. Even though we didn't have unified views that day, we did leave with, with good feelings, we were able to recognize that though we didn't agree, we didn't have to be disagreeable. Good way to put it. Yeah. Yep. You know, and also, I've, I've just had this thought. Um, Courtney, when she was on her mission, she said that if she would just focus on what the people were saying, she wasn't thinking about mm-hmm. what she was going to say, she could feel Heavenly Father's love come into her towards Absolutely. Those people. And I think if we, when we are communicating with people, and especially when it's not the same right. opinion as ours, and 
And I think often this unrest is not only apparent in the world around us and in within the walls of our own homes, but also within the recesses of our own minds. I believe to be at peace with others, it is important to be at peace with ourselves. Internal strife disrupts not only our personal well-being, but also our feelings of harmony with others. That's right, Marlene. We've all heard that saying, if mom ain't happy, nobody happy. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you know, it does seem that when we are at peace with ourselves, it is easier to be more patient and kind, even when dealing with difficult situations or with people of other opinions. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, how can I not get so worked up about somebody's opinion? And I think it's, it's that internal unrest. Sometimes we just get so focused on our own opinion or, you know, we have our own reality and somehow it's something about us. Yeah. We're putting meaning onto it. Right. And I think that that's actually exactly where I'm at. Well, I know for me lately, it's my self-talk. Okay. So I'll have something trigger whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. just in the, I just feel there's so much unrest, which then it just, it's like it comes into my own feelings and I feel it unrest and I'm why, why am I feeling this? And it's usually, I don't know, it's just a lack of confidence or it's a lack of understanding, but I really think it's those negative things I have trained myself to say that self sabot I've trained, which that's, did you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> I've trained seriously. myself yeah, to say, so it's helping to understand myself better, um, to fix this unrest. So I know this is interesting, but it all does correlate towards sister oh, Eubanks yeah. points, you know, in a personal life sort of way. So anyway, mm-hmm. the practical everyday living with myself, I have to figure out how to work with myself and with God. So I want to be unified in body and spirit. That's yeah. right. So we thought we'd share some suggestions from Sister Eubanks' talk, which can help us in understanding ourselves and people around us better and how to create that union of feeling, even with all of our differences. Yeah. Our ultimate hope today is to see what power from God we might access if we are just a little bit more unified with others. These three things are show mercy, recognizing differences can be turned to advantage instead of disadvantage, recognize unity doesn't magically happen, it takes work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so with mercy, Sister Eubanks suggested one way is through mercy. It was cool as she interchanges a couple of words in a scripture she referenced in Jacob 2.17. It reads, Think of your brothers and sisters like unto yourselves, and be familiar with all and free with your substance, that they may be rich like unto you. She replaced the word substance with mercy. Be free with your mercy, that they may be rich like unto you. Isn't that thought-provoking? Yeah, it is. I know, I was thinking, do we have mercy for ourselves? Yeah, you know. So I thought a lot. I thought a lot about that concept of mercy. Um we have struggled with my daughter, Kaylee. She shared her story in an earlier podcast. So, but it came to a, in her life, it came to a pivotal moment where I had to seriously cleave to the council about not judging, but just showing mercy and love. Ah, dang, (laughs) that was hard. Um, Her actions were destroying her, destroying her own little family. Her volatile marriage was crumbling and her testimony was just non-existent. Um, I remember my husband and I had to step back and let her come to herself and trust that God was working to help her where we couldn't. It took 
months and months of absolute struggle. We, we were there to help whenever she asked. That was tiring because she didn't see at the time that she was asking um, all that she was asking of us. But we never gave up. Um, we had to step back at certain times, but we eventually got to a place where she could feel some hope and believe that God loved her and that we loved her and our family loved her no, no matter what. So I remember thinking, oh, I've been personally given so much mercy for, from God for my own past mistakes and wanderings. And so I, I wanted to offer her love and guidance and compassion and mercy because I knew God offers it to all. Yeah, he does. I love that, Connie. You know, I know each of us here in this room have had those same struggles with kids that have wandered from the covenant path. And when we say that, that we're just talking about wandering from the things that we tried to teach them, you know, and the things that we believe. And that's, that's hard. But I believe that unity and feeling encompasses having that same compassion that Christ has. Showing mercy to our children sometimes goes against the tough love theory Mm -hmm. that so many preach and teach and that I've preached and teached Mm -hmm. (laughs) about. You know, it can be hard to ignore the well-meaning comments that come from others about the best way to parent. Um, It's it's hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's hard to not. And, and, and again, I think that's that whole self-sabotaging, you know, what's mm-hmm. everybody thinking of me and what's, you know, mm-hmm. the outside, not letting the outside get in. Sometimes that the best way to parent might be tough love, but sometimes it might mean running out to meet them on their destructive road that they've been on and carrying them home. And I know for me, parenting has been a painful job at times. Those times, Connie, like you experienced with Kaylee, make all the worry and work worth it. I think we all get those breakthroughs occasionally, and we feel like there has been a little success, you know, and we're able to hang on to that um, and have a little bit of forward progress. The thoughts I've had about this have been, what is the Lord trying to make of me through all of this? And I thought about this thought, this quote that um, Sister Eubanks mentions from the prophet Joseph Smith. He said this to the Relief Society women. The nearer we get to our Heavenly Father, the more we are disposed to look with compassion on perishing souls. We feel that we want to take them upon our shoulders and cast their sins behind our back. End quote. Is this not what the Lord wants us to do for our own families and our friends and especially our wayward children? I believe that this is the power we get when we strive to unify ourselves with God. Yeah, I agree with that, Jerry. Power will come into our lives as we strive for that unification with our Father. And part of that power will come in the form of compassion and Mm -hmm. the ability to extend mercy. You know, as Sister Eubanks points out in her talk, quote, each of us is going to have deeply wounding experiences in our lifetime. We all beg for mercy for our sins and failures. The Lord freely gives it, and he asks us if we can give that same mercy and understanding to each other. You know, a few of our children also have had some of those wounding experiences that have taken them from the covenant path. And like you mentioned, Jerry, we've, 
We've also had extended family members and some friends comment that they would have kicked their kids out if they would not have lived (laughs) according to the standards, you know, of the home and what they were taught. And understandably so for some, this can be a way of discipline that can work and be for the good of that child. But we've also seen instances where it's caused irreparable damage to the individual and to their family relationships. So I I feel like, you know, seeking counsel from the Lord here is of utmost importance. Only he knows what is best for your family and your wayward child. You know, we just need to try not to be judgmental of those that are parenting a little different than we do, you know? And so I would suggest that whatever you choose to do, make sure that it is motivated by love, not anger. And administer administered with compassion and mercy. Craig and I have felt through much prayer that our role was to continue to love our kids unconditionally and invite these children back into our home. We do have boundaries, and, you know, they do pay a modest rent, but because of the deep mental and emotional scars, some stemming from pre-adoption days, we have learned that their progress on the path is going to look a little different from and a little slower than that of some of our other children and we need to honor that we we continue to try and see the best in them you know they are each such kind individuals with a lot of good to offer the world even our son who is in prison calls almost nightly to express his love read scriptures and say prayers with us and like you mentioned jared it's those small successes that we need to learn to appreciate you know, we, we've not had the quick, happy ending that Connie and Kaylee and others have had. But we are still happy and hopeful. And there is a lot of love in the family. And so we'd like to offer some hope for those parents out there listening that find themselves in this same situation. And we testify that Heavenly Father fulfills his promises to those parents who keep their covenants. He promises that wayward children may tread a thorny path, and will still pay the price for sin. But like the penitent prodigal son, will be led back to the Father by his divine tentacles of love. This will happen in their time and in the Lord's time. It is our responsibility to offer unconditional love and mercy in the meantime. Absolutely. That's so good. Um, Sister Eubanks mentioned in her talk that her Relief Society president had mentioned to them, and and she said to them, The thing I promise you is that I will keep your name safe. I will see you for who you are at your best. I will never say anything about you that is unkind, that is not going to lift you. I ask you to do the same for me because I am terrified, frankly, of letting you down. Um, she, I love her point of point here and let's all try a little harder to look for the good in each other. And if we are going to speak of another person, let's do it in love. Now, there are many times that you need to communicate with your husband about the current bad choices or behavior (laughs) of a child that is affecting your family or, or your loved ones so that the appropriate help support and changes can be made, but even this can be done in love and mercy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I love the idea of trying to keep a person's name safe when talking about them to others. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I know. I, I do. I love this counsel. Um, cause I, I've struggled in this area, you know, thinking back on the situation with Kaylee and not just her, but at times with my other children, I really, I want to see them for how they are at their best, but there have been times I think I've wronged them by not keeping their name safe, you know, per se, because I would talk about their struggles and share things that weren't mine to share with right. outside people. You know, I wanted to defend them. And, and in the case with Kaylee, especially, I had a desire to, to share her story and help others see the progress she's made be, you know, because mainly other people around it had seen her behaviors. But I had overshared uh, at times. So this pricked my conscience, this, this thing, because um, I do. I want to keep her name safe. And I do share her story now only with her permission in this podcast um, and in settings where she's with me and she's able to, to you know, share her side of things. And it's, it's actually very insightful and helpful and encouraging to people. But I really don't want to let her down. Mm-hmm. Totally. And that's a good thing to remember. We're going to shift gears here a little bit and talk about a story that Sister Eubanks tells um, from the book, The Boys in the Boat. And this is about how differences can be turned into advantages. Now, this is a story about a 1936 Olympic rowing team from the University of Washington. They were just a bunch of mining town boys who no one thought would have a chance in the Olympics. Um, and the odds were stacked against them until something happened that they call swing. Now, it's a term known in the rowing world to explain what happens when all are rowing in such perfect unison that not one single action is out of sync. Now, here's a small excerpt from the book that I love. It says, quote, Rowers must rein in their fierce independence and at the same time hold true to their individual capabilities. Races are not won by clones. Good crews are good blends. Someone to lead the charge, someone to hold something in reserve, someone to fight the fight, someone to make peace. No rower is more valuable than another. All are assets to the boat. But if they are to row well together, each must adjust to the needs and capabilities of the others. The shorter-armed person reaching a little farther, the longer-armed person pulling in just a little bit, end quote. And I, I just love that description. And these boys were able to achieve perfect swing. And they went on to win the Olympic gold medal, much to the surprise of the world. Now, as I think of this, it is a wonderful ideal. Can't you just envision that in your family, yeah. each person having their own <laughs> little great. role, right? Yeah. And we're all just rowing. Gliding <laughs> across the water smoothly, uh, working in you. Yes. You can just hear that. You can oh, almost hear it. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, crash, <laughs> bang, boom. That is nuts. <laughs> that is a good fantasy. <laughs> um, but my experience is more like this past summer when my 12-year-old and I were floating down the river in a raft <laughs> And he had an oar and I had an oar and, you know, we were trying to keep ourselves in the current and away from the rocks and, you know, we're pushing and usually pushing on the bottom of the river or, um, and we really spent most of our time going around in circles. Um, but somehow we kept growing and eventually we made it to our end destination alive. Oh. And, you know, we worked together. 
maybe not in perfect swing, <laughs> but we did our best. And, you know, we're all in families with members that don't always want to have the same goals or the same experience or the same understanding. And they don't have the same understanding. And, but when we have those moments when things just come together and someone has a breakthrough with a difficult situation and you come together in love and unity, you know, those are really the gold medal moments Absolutely. for all of us. How do you guys feel that, you know, we can work on achieving some of that swing? I absolutely love that analogy. Um, I was just in Arizona last week with my daughter, Aubrey, and we were talking about this story. And she was mentioning how um, before she got pregnant, she seemed to be a little bit more stronger emotionally than her husband. But she said since she's been pregnant, he's been stronger because she's been more emotional, <laughs> and, but he's, he's been able to step up, right? Yeah, and smooth. and things have been smooth, more smooth right. um, for the two of them. But we also talked about how, when Jerry, when you were talking about family members, it's interesting how our families, our children come into our families in the order that they do. You have some that are just peacemakers. You know, right. you have the my older daughter, she's kind of one that leads and pulls everyone together and initiates um, activities or inis initiates unity, mm -hmm. you know. And sometimes we don't have everybody that is viewing everything, the, you know, the same. Exactly. But, but we can have those people, those certain ones that will bring in more unity. And I just think that is magical that Heavenly Father put everybody in the position that they are so that we can receive right. that unity in our family, even though we might not be on the same path mm -hmm. spiritually. You right. know, we might not have the same goals spiritually, but yet we can maybe still Work have together. some unity in the yeah. family. Yeah, Do you like reflect that. back on your own position in your family? And did that spark oh, yeah. something with you as you're thinking, oh, yeah, okay, sure. I was placed in this family in this order for what's my strength? What's my brother's, my yeah. sister's strength? Yeah, yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool concept. It is. You know, the achieving that swing doesn't seem to happen very often, but yeah. I, I feel pretty lucky. I feel like when I think of a group that I've achieved at least a little some swing with, I, it would be you, you ladies, you, yeah. you friends. You know, I feel, I feel like the four of us and our friendship. Although we we don't all have the same opinions on everything, and we have different strength, strengths and weaknesses, right? We've experienced a little bit of that swing, yeah. swing with the wings, yes. <laughs> and power with God as we have been unified in our efforts to serve Him and raise these large families and, you know, share the good news of the gospel through this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I, just as you're saying that, that swing concept is so cool with us. You know, I, I really hold that dear to my heart. Um, I had an opportunity also to have another kind of a experience while I was in a Relief Society committee years ago. It, it was back then when they used to have the midweek activities. <laughs> um, the gals in our group worked so well together that no one felt burdened by this calling. Um, it was crazy because we'd talk about our successful activities after they were over and find ourselves saying, gosh, I didn't feel like I did anything. And yet it, you guys did so much. And they're like, 
analyzing it, we just read, realized, no, it was because we were a really good team. And, and those who had, we just kind of capitalized on each person's strengths Mm -hmm. and it helped us to, you know, kind of share the load. So it it was a really great way. I know that we, we were the best team. It was just, I don't know, it was just a really satisfying opportunity. And we um, had our boards split, so we don't really see each other very much anymore. And when we would bump into each other anywhere, we always bring up, oh, I loved working with you. We just got along so well, and weren't we so good? (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) The glory days. Yes. (laughs) The the Olympics. (laughs) That, that's great, Connie. Um, that Achieving that swing is the ideal. It's, it's what we all hope to achieve in our families, our wards and communities or, you know, whatever group it is that we belong to that has a common goal. You know, but before we get too discouraged because we have not experienced this perfect unity too much in our lives, we must remember that the men put into that Olympic rowing boat were handpicked. They were prepared. They were trained, they disciplined, and driven to achieve that swing, right? Mm-hmm. All together, weren't they? Yeah. They all had that same goal. But, you know, often, like Jerry mentioned before, we find ourselves put into situations or into the boat, so to speak, with others that don't even want to row in the same direction no. as <laughs> we do. I know. <laughs> Makes it a little more challenging. <laughs> okay, oh, I have to God. share a funny story. So, Brianne and... She came, she was engaged years ago, and she brought a guy home to meet us. And we thought, oh, we'll show him around Boise. And we ended up taking him rafting with us. And <laughs> so we, they were in their own boat, and it did not go well at all. They argued the entire time. And it was just this huge red flag to Brianna. She's like, we can't even get down you know, a river together. Anyway, so, you know, it, it does, it takes time. And so they were able to recognize, okay, we have a lot of differences. And that engagement ended. Um, not that we're saying give up, but I mean, I think you, you know, you recognize, okay, I want perfect unity for eternity. And it just wasn't wasn't the right time and the right person, the right Mm -hmm. fit. So the yeah. moral of the story is if you're going to think about getting engaged, I know. you should go on a rafting trip. <laughs> I do. I tell my kids before you get engaged. And I don't know take if they've done rafting. this, but take a rafting <laughs> trip. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, unity doesn't just magically happen. Yeah. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. Um, Everyone in the boat yep. needs to be rowing. Right? Yeah, right. They all, they are not laying back while the others are doing it for him it all takes a lot of work that's what's wrong okay pick up that oar jerry (laughs) yeah and that can happen in so many different ways um one thing that we have found that helps is sitting everyone down in a family council or just during family time and setting some goals together planning out our weekly activities and dividing up family responsibility and lots of communication. Yeah, lots, right? right? <laughs> Even daily. What, yeah. What's today look like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a few, oh, a couple months back, I was listening to an interview by Sister Dew, Sherry Dew to Wendy Nelson. And one part of the interview, she talked about how important that they live, that Sister Nelson and President Nelson, that they live without any contention she said if they are watching a movie and it has contention in it, then they turn it off. Or if they are watching a sports game and if it has any contention in it versus competition, right. then they shut it off and they don't watch it. 
they take effort to make sure they have the spirit with them, which takes a lot of work Mm -hmm. and being aware of the effects of everything around them and what they're, they are observing. Yeah. Work and discipline, right? Yeah, for sure. I agree. You know, unity with others or unity with God isn't just going to happen without effort. Like you said, I have a powerful testimony of the power of prayer and what one simple prayer can do each day. You know, as we ask the Lord to guide us to what we can do this day to help another person, he will show us if we have our eyes wide open. You know, it might be as simple as a text to a friend, a listening ear to the person in line with you at the grocery store, a hug, if you can do that, um, a smile, or just even a prayer for someone in need. Yeah, I, I understand that. I think, I think we do have a tendency to make it harder than it should be. I, it really is in those small and constant efforts. So, you know, going back to the boat analogy, remember God is with us in our boat. And sometimes I know I forget this. Um, yeah, just think about it. We're, we're laboring with all our mights, but God is with us in our boats. The unity we hope for and the desire for that smooth ride, one where everyone is laboring towards the same goal, it it is not happening all the time. We see the storms of life all around us. I do think of Noah and the ark. God saw all the wickedness around Noah, and he commanded Noah to build a boat. Noah obeys. He gets his family into this God-directed refuge. So, you know, like our children are in our boat, per se, because of our temple covenants. But it says in Genesis 7, the waters prevailed. It doesn't just say it once. I know it's in three verses, the waters prevailed, the waters prevailed, the waters prevailed. And sometimes that unrest spills into our boat. It's distracting our progress for that perfect swing. You know, however, it's important to remember that the scriptures tell us about Noah's Ark. The Lord smiled upon it and held it in his own hand. So when the waters prevail and we're so busy trying to hold on, Ask ourselves, are we allowing to, allowing God to hold us? And we need to remember we obtain power with God. Mm-hmm. So Connie, can you explain to our listeners, you know, what, what do you mean by, are we allowing God to hold us? You know, what, what does that look like to you? Yeah. Well, I thought of my baptismal and temple covenants, you know, or anyone's commitment to live a Christ-like life. We have power to be with him mm-hmm. and with our posterity. God will hold us and our families while we're trying to perfect our swing. He kind of labors with us. He's in the boat with us. He keeps the boat afloat. He's working in each of our children and our lives only the way he can. Um, you know, he's, he's helping us. Mm-hmm. He, we haven't drowned yet. You know, (laughs) you might feel like some have jumped ship or are trying to, but he's holding them. He knows each of our capabilities and he's, he's trying to remind us to hold, to let him hold us Mm -hmm. and our children. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I think that, that, uh, we feel like it's our responsibility and I love that. I think we, that we do, we need to remember that God has a plan, right? You know, and, um, it's also important for us all to remember that, you know, most of our families are imperfect and we might not ever achieve that perfect swing in this life. But as we extend that love and that mercy to others in the family, 
they might learn the same and they, and maybe we can all just learn to love each other perfectly. That's that awesome. can be our perfect swing. I love that. You know, I love the story of when Christ was eating at Simon's house and Mary came in to anoint Jesus. You know, Simon knew Mary was a sinner and he thought in his mind, wondered why Jesus would allow this woman to touch him. You know, because that was, that was against the rules, right? And right. the law of Moses. And, and so, of course, Jesus perceives his thoughts and tells Simon that as Simon didn't offer to wash the Savior's feet and did not anoint his head, which, um, by the way, were common practices when you had someone into your home. Um, but this woman, he said, had not stopped anointing his head and washing his feet with her tears. He then tells Simon that Mary's sins were forgiven her because she loved much. You know, I have always loved this simple story and held on to it because, because I know that as we love others, we draw closer to God. And I have always hoped that the Lord will overlook my myriad of awful qualities if mm -hmm. I can just learn to love as he did. Oh, so perfect, Tara. So yeah, that's always been my hope too, Jerry. And I've witnessed that the ability to love is one of your spiritual gifts, yeah, both totally. those inside and outside your family. Absolutely. The other day as I was studying a little bit about this concept of unity and trying to prepare for this podcast, I asked my husband, Craig, what his thoughts on unity were. And I liked him. This, this was his response. I believe though we are all asked to be unified and have one mind and heart, it does not mean we are cookie cutter cutouts and all look and act alike. Our focus is our Savior and our desires are to Him and to serve each other. Can we do that with differing opinions, religions, political parties, mask wearers, vaxxers, or anti-vaxxers? The answer, of course, is yes. We have different feelings even in this wings group on some of those subjects, yet we put them aside for the sake of unity of faith. And when the day comes when all things shall be revealed and our perspective made perfect, we'll reach out to each other the same and use the same words we will say when we meet the Savior. I'm sorry, and I love you. <laughs> Seeking unity is always possible. Achieving it is probably not. But that is the same with perfection. The Lord has given us an impossible standard with the desire that we will all press forward with hope and when necessary, agree to disagree and embrace what we all hope for, and that is peace and happiness and the desire to return home with our family and loved ones to that God who gave us the breath of life and the power to choose. A wise man, Craig. Sister Eubanks said the following words, words which we echo and we feel as she does. Quote, I have full spiritual confidence or I'm working towards that. As we seek union of feeling, we will call down the power of God to make our efforts whole. End quote. I just want to add my testimony that God is in the details of our lives. Satan will always try to thwart God's plan for us, but as we learn in the scriptures and throughout history, God always has a backup plan to save his children. As we trust in God and seek his will in all things, we will be blessed in our efforts to create more unity in our homes, in our workplaces, our communities, and even the world. I love the scripture in DNC 1111 
where the Savior says, quote, Put your trust in that spirit which leadeth to do good, yea, to do justly, to walk humbly, to judge righteously, and this is my spirit, end quote. I also testify that there is but one way that we can truly be united, and that way is to seek the Lord and his righteousness. As Elder Cook puts it, quote, Righteousness and unity are profoundly significant. When people love God with all their hearts and righteously strive to become like him, there is less strife and contention and much more unity. Yes, we read about that in the scriptures right after the Lord visited the Nephites in ancient America. With respect to unity, in 4th Nephi it reads, Quote, there was no contention in the land because of the love of God which did dwell in the hearts of the people. And surely there could not be a happier people among all the people who had been created by the hand of God. Yeah. A wonderful time and place that must have been. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. And the clarion call today, right, to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is to strive to be a Zion people who are of one heart, and one mind, and dwell in righteousness, just like those that we read about in 4th Nephi. My strong belief is that unity comes by following the light from above. It does not come out of the confusions below. While men depend upon their own wisdom and walk in their own way, without the guidance of the Lord, it is a struggle to live in unity. I believe the way to unity is for us to learn the will of the Lord and then do it. Until this basic principle is understood and observed, it will be hard to find unity and peace on the earth. But it can be found in families, in wards and communities where all within love the Lord. It can be found within our own hearts as we strive to let God prevail in our lives and seek his will in all that we do. And so, until next time, we invite all of you to stay safely under his wings.